Billy Sunday, an early 20th century evangelist, once said, There is more power in a mother's hand than in a king's scepter. On Mother's Day, our nation will pause to honor our mothers. Mothers are often unappreciated, but God values them. While they aren't perfect, they are our sheroes, deserving our recognition for the good that they do and the love that they give. You only have one mother in this life, so let us remember to honor her. Every life needs a purpose to which it can give the energies of its mind and the enthusiasm of its heart. Hello all, and welcome to A Victorious Life is Yours. There is a place here reserved just for you to be inspired, uplifted, encouraged, and strengthened in your daily walk of life in every area of your life, spirit, mind, and body. I'm Renee Marie Jones, your host, and I love and live to empower people to make a difference in their own lives as well as everyone that they come into contact with. So if you're ready, I'm ready. Let's get started, Victorious Ones. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Victorious Life is yours podcast. Today is Friday and we are getting ready to embark on a new episode entitled Every Day is Mother's Day. Billy Sunday, who was an early 20th century evangelist, said there is more power in a mother's hand than in a king's scepter. Hmm, I would have to agree with Evangelist Sunday. So we are about to celebrate officially Mother's Day. It's this coming Sunday, as a matter of fact. And the nation will pause to honor our mothers on that particular day. Now, you and I both know that mothers are oftentimes unappreciated, but God values them. And so should we. While they aren't perfect, they are our sheroes, and they deserve to be recognized for all the good that they do, who they are, and the love that they give. Now, you and I only have one mother in this life, so we get to honor them. Now, I know some of you may uh, may not have your moms with you. They may have gone on, but irregardless of that, I'm sure that you still hold her in high esteem. You still have fond memories of her as we should. And for those of us whose moms are still here on this planet, we get to honor them and celebrate them. Now, because this coming Sunday is Mother's Day, I'm sure that many of you have plans to do just that. Plans to be with mama, plans to see mama. You may have plans for dinner with mama. Uh, I know that I actually plan to cook a dinner for my mom and I invited my siblings and my family members over as well for that dinner. She likes spaghetti. She likes my spaghetti. So I'm having a spaghetti dinner for her at our home, at her house. So what I want you all to make sure that you do, however, with, with, with your uh, expressions of love, please be sure that you still are remaining safe because we still have the coronavirus going on. We still have in many states uh, stay-at-home mandates. We still have social distancing going on as well. So please be sure that you are adhering to those mandates and those uh, statutes because they are for your safety. They're for your safety. But here is the thing. They're not just for your safety. They're for the safety of those that you love 
especially your mom. Now, I don't know about you, but my mom is an elderly person, so that makes her in the high-risk category. So I have to take extra precautions, and I've talked with my siblings, especially her grandchildren, about that because, you know, the young people, you know, they think that they're invincible, so they're still doing things that they shouldn't be doing. They still are not necessarily wearing their masks. They're still not practicing social distancing. They're still not doing things that are for their safety as well as for the safety of their loved ones. And we have to be considerate of our loved ones. So please make sure that you are practicing those safe measures because again, it's not for just you, but it is for your loved ones. We want to make sure, and the news is riddled with the sad stories of family members, especially elderly family members who are in uh, senior homes or hospitals per se, and they are infected and have been infected with the disease. And of course, no one can come and see them. And it is horrific to hear about and read about and i've heard about those stories where their loved ones had to see them via facetime or on the phone their last goodbyes see them for the last time because they end up passing as a result of the complications of the disease so this is nothing to be played with people yes we want to celebrate yes we want to have a good time but there is a way to do it so that we're doing it safely. So let's keep that in mind. Just had to get on my, my soapbox concerning that because I'm, I'm really, really concerned with what I've been seeing in the news. But that's another podcast, perhaps. Okay, so we're going to move on to talk about the origin of Mother's Day. So I wanted to look at some current facts because, you know, a while back when I was looking at Mother's Day, I often wondered, so what's the origin of Mother's Day? So let's look at what the origin of Mother's Day is. So the modern holiday, it was first celebrated in 1908 when Anna Jarvis she held a memorial for her mother at the St. Andrews Methodist Church in Grafton, West Virginia. So her she started a campaign to make Mother's Day a recognized holiday in remembrance of her mom. And she started that campaign in 1905, which was the year that her mom, whose name was Ann Reeves, died. Ann Reeves, she was a peace activist. She cared for wounded soldiers on both sides of the American Civil War. And she created a Mother's Day work club to address the current public health issues of that day. Now, Anna Jarvis wanted to honor her mother by continuing the work that her mom had started. And she wanted to set aside a day to honor all mothers because she believed that a mother is the person, this is her quote, a mother is the person who has done more for you than anyone in the world. And I think you and I can attest to that. So in 1908, However, the U.S. Congress rejected a proposal to make Mother's Day an official holiday. And they joked about it, saying that they would also have to proclaim a Mother's-in-Law Day if they did that. But because Anna Jarvis was consistent and persistent, all of her efforts paid off. So by 1911, all United States observed the holiday with some of them officially recognizing Mother's Day as a local holiday. And the first 
state that uh, officially recognized it as a local holiday was West Virginia, which was Jarvis's home state in 1910. So in 1914, President Woodrow Wilson signed a proclamation designating Mother's Day, which was to be held as we still do on the second Sunday in May as a national day to honor mothers. Now, although Jarvis was successful in founding Mother's Day, she became resentful of the commercialization of the holiday. So by the early 1920s, Hallmark cards, I didn't even know Hallmark cards was that old, but here it is. By the early 1920s, Hallmark, Hallmark cards and other companies had started selling Mother's Day cards. Jarvis believed that the companies had misinterpreted and exploited the idea of Mother's Day and that the emphasis of the holiday should be on sentiment and not on profit. So as a result, she organized boycotts of Mother's Day and she threatened to issue lawsuits against the companies involved. Now, Jarvis argued that people should appreciate and honor their mothers through handwritten letters expressing their love and gratitude instead of buying gifts and pre-made cards. Jarvis also protested at a candy marker, a, a candy makers convention in Philadelphia in 1923 and at a meeting of American mothers in 1925. By this time, carnations, white carnations in particular, had become associated with Mother's Day and the selling of carnations by the American war mothers to raise money angered Jarvis, who was arrested for disturbing the peace. So therein we have how Mother's Day was established by this woman who did it in honor of her mother, but it wasn't just for her mom. She wanted to honor all mothers for the work that they've done, for the love that they give to us and all that they mean to each person, everyone, as we should do. do. Now, we are really um, in this celebrating and saluting uh, our mothers as we are looking at Mother's Day. I was also interested when I was looking at this and, and, and studying and doing research on the subject and topic of Mother's Day. I know for a fact, just because I personally know um, a lot of the households that are headed by single moms. So I just really said, well, let me look at statistics because I'm really curious to know about how many single moms are there or single mom headed households that are in America today. So here is the, here's the thing. Listen to this. There are more than 15 million single moms in America today. Or let's say that are currently raising more than 22 million. Now, these 15 million single moms are raising more than 22 million of America's youth. And we know that single motherhood, it's become more common today than it ever has been. And so because of that, there are many stereotypes about single mothers that have become increasingly inaccurate. Now, much of what people assumed about the typical single mom is untrue and it's not grounded in fact. And we so we wanted to look at some shocking single mother statistics to shed light on the life of a single mom. Some of you out there may be more than likely you are the, the, the women that are listening to this podcast. More than likely you probably are single moms. And the reality of the circumstances that you face every day 
can be and I know are very challenging. I know that they're very challenging. So I want to um, look at that. I want us to keep you in mind because this is what we're doing. We are going to lift you up and we're going to shed and shed the spotlight on you for right now as we look at the single moms. Okay. Now, if you are a single mom who is certain that you can't go on, I've got to say this. Know that there have been countless, countless stories throughout the decades of single moms who are overcomers and they are achieving more than many thought possible. Now, this is what the thing is for this day and time. Is it a growing trend? Is single motherhood a growing trend? So one out of every four parents that are living with a child in the United States today is unmarried. One out of four. That's fewer than one out of every 10. One out of every 10 just 50 years ago. So 50 years ago, it was one out of 10 parents who were living with a child in the United States is unmarried. Today, one out of four. Okay, so that equates to one in every five children. One in every five children is living with a single mom. Now, that one in five children, so you've got five kids. Out of those five kids, one of them is living with a single mom. That is 300% more were 300% more single-led families now than in 1960, okay? So that lets us know that the trend has been and is continuing to rise. So single parenthood by state. So I looked at this state map, and I know you all can't see it, but it's a state map that shows the, the particular states and what their percentages were uh, of singlehood. So I live in North Carolina and I'm looking at this map and it says 34% to 37% are born, children are born to unmarried mothers. That's 34 to 37% of children in the state of North Carolina, they are un, they're born to unmarried mothers. Well, next to North Carolina is Virginia. Virginia has 34 to 37% Oh, I'm sorry. Let me go back. North Carolina, it's 37% to 40% of children are born that are born to unmarried mothers. And then in Virginia, it's 34 to 37%. Okay. On the other side of North Carolina is South Carolina. South Carolina has 41 to 44% of children that are born to unmarried mothers. Now, one of the things, because this is a color-coded map, one of the things that I noticed is and this is kind of interesting that the southern states seem to have higher percentages of children that are born to unmarried mothers than the northern states so you put that into your perspective and kind of give that some thought now 15 million single there's 15 million moms as we said before single moms in the u.s and louisiana out of the you know states louisiana has the highest percentage Louisiana has the highest percentage of single mother-led households more than any other state. That's the state of Louisiana. And that averages anywhere from 44 to 53%. So the state of Louisiana uh, has the highest percentage of single mother-led households. Again, 22 million children are being raised by single parents. 
And Mississippi, the state of Mississippi has the highest percentage of children born to unmarried mothers. Okay, so let's let's go back. Louisiana has the highest percentage of single mother-led households. So that means that in Louisiana, there are more moms that are leading their households than any other state. In the state of Mississippi, there are more children who are born to women who are not married. Okay, in the state of Miss, Miss, Mississippi. So it's a worldwide issue. It's a worldwide issue. It's not just in the United States. So in 17% uh, of the children between the ages of zero to 14 live in single parent households worldwide. That's worldwide. And 88% of these, 88, that's a high percentage. 88% of these households are single mother led. This is worldwide. So it's not just a United States issue. I know people think that, you know, it's just in the United States because we have quote unquote, a loose culture. And, you know, we don't have the principles that we used to have. And society is pretty much doing any and everything. Whereas you can go to other countries where, you know, they have principles and they have morals and they honor their parents and they honor seniors and so forth and so on. But this is 88% in within the world of households that are mother led. And the United Kingdom has the highest percentage, 26% of children ages zero to 14 living with a single mom. So, you know, I just wanted to put those in those numbers for you so you can kind of get an idea of what we're looking at as it relates to mothers. And these are single mothers because that is the majority of the households that are in the world. They are headed by single mothers moms. So God bless you, single mothers. For those of you that have a, a husband there to help you with the children, you know, more power to you. Thank God. That's a blessing. Be grateful. But we are spotlighting right here at this moment, those single moms, because Lord knows they deserve all of the praise that we can give them for doing and taking on and having the task of raising these children and raising the children, the godly heritage of the Lord. So single moms versus single dads, 86% of single parent families are led by mothers in the United States. So there it is. There it is. Okay. So the issues for single moms, childcare, education, healthcare, poverty, income, employment. These are all issues that deal with single moms that, you know, single moms actually, you know, come into contact with and have to deal with. So in, as far as healthcare, look at this, only 15% of single mothers have, 15% of single mothers have no healthcare. Hardships, more than a third of single families spend more than half their income on housing, of a single mother family spends more than half their income on housing. About two thirds of single mothers receive free or reduced price meals. Hmm. Childcare. In most states, in some states, the cost is more than half the cost of childcare. Lord knows you all that have small babies in childcare, I know you know this to be a fact. Childcare in some states, the cost is more than half of 
her income annually. So that means that whatever, if you're making $26,000, and I know that's on the low end, but if you're making $26,000 annually, more than at least you're paying, you're probably paying $13,000 or $14,000 annually in childcare. So that means half of your paycheck is going to pay for someone to take care of your babies while you are working. So we want to, again, just really be looking at as we're honoring our mothers. Every day is Mother's Day. Uh, here's some just kind of interesting single, single mom figures. Barack Obama was raised by a single mom. Michael Phelps was raised by a single mom. Kevin Durant, who is a basketball player, uh, was raised by a single mom. In fact, I saw an interview with her a couple days ago on Good Day DC uh, as they were talking to her about her, uh, her journey as she was raising this uh, basketball player. Uh, I think he was one, if I'm not mistaken, he probably, I think he was one of the first people that actually came out and said that he was infected with the um, COVID-19, but they were raised by single moms, okay? So hands up, hats off to you single moms that are out there and that are listening to this podcast. So as we said earlier, a lot of times we know that single moms or mothers, period, are not appreciated, but God does appreciate and value them. And God has a lot to say, and there is a lot in the word of God. So we're going to look at the word of God, some scripture verses that actually look at mothers and what the Bible has to tell us and say to us about mothers. So the first scripture the verse that we're going to look at is Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, and I'm reading from the New Century Version. It says, honor your father and your mother so that you will live a long time in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Now, this scripture verse was also uh, quoted in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. And let's you know look at that so we can parallel the two scripture verses, one being in the Old Testament, which we just read, and the other being in the New Testament. So that's Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to um, verse 1. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. It reads, children, obey your parents as the Lord wants because this is the right thing to do. The command says, and it's quoting from what we just read in Deuteronomy, honor your father and mother. This is the first command that has a promise with it then everything will be well with you and you will have a long life on the earth. Now you're probably thinking, I'm 64 years old. I'm not a child. Well, you, and we all know this, especially those of you that are mothers, you are always your mom's child. <laughs> I'm 64 years old and I'm still my mama's child. She still refers to me as her child. Yes, she says her daughter, but I'm still her child. So. Of course, as young children, and for those young children and those young people that are also listening to this podcast, we've, we've been given a mandate, actually a command, to obey our mothers. Yes, it says fathers, but we're talking about mothers today. We are, are told to obey our mothers because it's the right thing to do. And we're told to honor them, to honor them because it's the right thing to do. So when we talk about honor, what do we mean when we talk about honor? What are we saying? 
when we talk about honor, honor has a lot to do with showing respect, showing respect, being obedient, esteeming or putting our mother high up, giving her praise, giving her expressions of gratitude. And, and we're going to look at some things that we need to make sure that we're doing. So I don't want to get ahead of myself, but we're talking about honoring our mothers, honoring our mothers. Okay. So let's look at another passage of scripture. Let's go to um, Proverbs chapter 23, Proverbs chapter 23, the book of wisdom, it's loaded with wisdom. I read a Proverbs a day, a Proverbs a day, chapter 23, did I say 23 or did I say 22? Proverbs 23, that's where we are and we're going to start at verse 22. Proverbs chapter three, verse 22. Give me a moment to get there. I'm on my way. Okay. It says, listen to your father who gave you life. Proverbs 23, verse 22. Listen to your father who gave you life and do not forget your mother when she is old. Now, I want you to underline that. I want you to pin that in your brain, learn the truth and never reject it. Get wisdom, self-control and understanding. The father of a good child is very happy. Parents who have wise children, parents who have mothers who have wise children are glad because of them. I put that in. Verse 25 says, make your father and mother happy. Mm. Give your mother a reason to be glad. Give your mother a reason to be glad. Make your mother happy. But I want to go back up to verse 22 because it says, and again, this is the new century version. Listen to your father who gave you life. But the second part of this scripture verse says, and do not forget your mother when she is old. I love it. So going back to what we were saying earlier about children obeying your parents, that once we get older ourselves, the children get older. It's not so much as obeying them as it is honoring them, okay, when they get old. Now, you and I know for a fact and probably have experienced this, and you may be guilty of this, but when our parents get old, we have a tendency sometimes to not necessarily be obeying them and respecting them in the way that we should. Because after all, we actually parrot the same thing that our teenage kids parrot to us. I'm grown when they think that they're grown. I'm grown. And even though you're my mom or you're my dad, your mom, we're talking about mom. You don't, you don't get to tell me what to do or, you know, I, I, I know this already. I know what to do. So we have to be really careful about the way that we're handling our elderly mothers. And I know I'm talking to some daughters out there and mothers because now I can speak personally for me. My mother and I did not have a really good relationship when I was coming up. In fact, we did not have a relationship. I might as well say when I was coming up, we, we could not communicate. 
Uh, I felt like she wasn't understanding me, that she, you know, it wasn't worth talking to her. I was rebellious. I was hard-headed. I did whatever I wanted to do. Now, I had a relationship with my aunt, and she was the person that my, my mom's sister, she's the one that I often talked to. But my mom and I did not have a close relationship until I became a young adult. In fact, when I went away to college and I went to a local college where I lived in Maryland, so I came home on the weekends, but that was only so that I could work. I had a part-time job. It was only in college that I really began to respect my mom and appreciate her. And so, you know, the relationship began to develop in my college years. Then when I became an adult, and I got a little bit more sense in my head and in my brain, I continued to work on that relationship with my mom. Now, I took the initiative in doing so. You know, I know you probably would think, well, she's the mom. Why didn't she take the initiative? Well, for me, in my mind's eye, when I was younger, I thought she was the problem. But as I got older, I realized that I was the problem. So I needed to make the amends. So I started calling her more often when I moved away from home because I moved away from home at a, a young age. I started coming home and just visiting her. I started calling her. But then it wasn't until about uh, eight or nine years ago, I believe, maybe I'll, I'm going to say five or six, seven years ago, when I attended a leadership training that was so powerful. It was life changing. It really transformed my life. It was a transformational leadership training. And I had a coach and we went through that process of me and relationships. And she said something that was key to me. She said, your relationship with women is helter skelter and out of whack because of your relationship with your mom. And I thought about that. Our mothers, women, are the first mother or female to female relationship that we actually become a part of. And if you really, really are honest and if you really think about it, your relationship with your mom or your relationship with other women oftentimes mirrors the relationship that you have or don't have with your mom. So anyway, my coach took me through the process of mending once and for all that relationship. And I called my mom. I remember I called my mom from North Carolina, which is where I lived and live now and had moved to. And we talked for three hours and it was mostly me doing the talking. And I shared with her everything that I had in my heart and, and, and what I felt. And it was it, we, we both were crying on the phone. It was heart wrenching, but it began that process of our relationship. So. I'm really thankful to God for that. And of course, as I became a Christian, it, it even crystallized even more as I uh, continued the journey and continued the process. So I count it an honor and a privilege right now that I am my mother's caregiver, that I get to uh, be with her in her senior golden silver years of being 84 years old. Her health is not um, up to par right now. Thankfully, she's in her right mind and she's still spry as, well, not spry as ever, but her mind is still as spry as ever. Um, but I get to care for her. I go home to Maryland every, I try to go every three months to spend a couple of weeks with her. Uh, I was there through some major, major uh, physical challenges that she's had, major surgeries that she had. And it's an honor and a privilege. So I'm just grateful for that. And I'm saying all this to say, do not forget your mother when she is old. And I'm just saying, and I'm actually pleading with those of you who 
don't have that relationship that you desire and that relationship that you should have with your mom. And that's whether you are male or female, but I know it's especially an issue with us as females. Please, please, please search your hearts and ask the Lord to help you to pinpoint what the issues are and to begin to be intentional and to have a mindset that you know what, this is the only mom that I get to have. And I need to make this thing right. If your mother is no longer here with you so that you can get it right, and maybe she's left this planet, but you still are having issues and you still have unresolved issues, it's still not too late. You can still make peace in your heart with the relationship that you had or didn't have with your mom. I just, I just employ you to really take a look at that. Okay. All right. Let's go on. Let's move on. Okay, next scripture verse is uh, John chapter 19. John chapter 19. John chapter 19. Let's see here. And so I'm um, still reading from the um, New Century Version. John chapter 19. And we're going to go to, uh, let's see what verse John chapter 19, verse 26. John 19, 26. It reads, let's go back up to 25. Standing near his cross were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. So this is the, this is the account of the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior. He's on the cross, and these are the women that are gathered there watching this horrific incident. Mary, the wife of Clopas, Mary Magdalene, and Jesus's mom is there. I, I, I can only imagine how heart-wrenching, how traumatic this was for this mother to see her son die this very excruciating, painful, and humiliating death. She's at the foot of the cross. When I saw the passion, uh, I only could see it one time, I, it was so powerful, so true to life, so biblical, which was, I, I give kudos to uh, Mel Gibson and the producers of that, but I could only look at it one time, but it was powerful. And one of the most, two, there were two powerful scenes. One was when Jesus was on the road of Via Dolorosa carrying his cross and his mother, and I, I think he fell down because of the weight of the cross and his mom, the woman who played the part of his mom falls down at his feet and she looks into his face and she wipes his face, I believe. And then the second most, um, that was very powerful. And then the second most powerful scene to me was when she was at the feet of, at Jesus at the cross and she grabs him by the feet and she's weeping and kissing his feet. Oh, heart wrenching. So this is the, this is, I had to paint the picture for you so you can see it. It says in verse 26, when Jesus saw his mother and the follower he loved, which was John, the, uh, the apostle John who wrote this account. When Jesus saw his mother and the follower he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, dear woman, here is your son. And then he said to the follower, here is your mother. Hmm. From that time on, the follower, which was the apostle John, took her to live in his home. How special, how awesome for Jesus, this is one of his last breaths 
and thoughts was about his mother that he knew that once she left and he had other siblings which was interesting we don't know anything about them per se we do know perhaps about james but right here at this moment jesus gives john the responsibility of taking in mary his mother and adopting her as his mother the apostle john awesome 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 talking about again thinking about our mothers and putting them first and foremost in our thoughts, in our actions, in our words even, honoring them to the point where you know what, regardless of what my mother did or did not do, she's still my mother and I still get to honor her. I still get to care about her. I still get to love her. After all, it was a commandment. Honor your mother. Okay. This is a, I, I love this passage of scripture right here with Jesus. Okay, Matthew chapter 15, Matthew 15. So we're already in the neighborhood, so we don't have far to go. Matthew 15, and we're going to look at uh, verse 3. Matthew 15, verse 3. So go back a couple of uh, Gospels. And you'll get to Matthew chapter 15, verse 3. Okay, let's see. Jesus answered, why do you refuse to obey God's command so that you can follow your own teachings? God said, honor your father and your mother and anyone who says cruel things to his father or mother must be put to death. But you say a person can tell his father or mother, I have something I could use to help you, but I have given it to God already. You teach that person not to honor his father or his mother. You rejected what God had, what God said for the sake of your own rules. You are hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he said about you, these people show honor to me with words, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is worthless. The things they teach are nothing but human rules. This is powerful. Jesus is, as he had always done, confronting the religious leaders of his day because the Pharisees who were the scholars and, and the holders of the law, the biblical law, were very religious in that they called themselves crossing their eyes crossing their T's and dotting their I's as it related to the Torah, the law. And he, Jesus was saying in the word, you read where it says to honor your father and mother. And it also says, if anyone says cruel things to his father or mother, he must be put to death. This was in the Old Testament. Thank God we're in the New Testament, people. Think of the cruel things you have said to your mother. <laughs> if we were living in the Old Testament, I know if I was living in the Old Testament, I would be as good as stoned, would have been. But Jesus was dealing with them and saying, you can't put other things and you have created your own laws and rules. And as I said before, you know, sometimes when we get older, we think that we know more than our parents, our elderly mom, forgetting the fact that she still has been around longer. My mom has 20 years jump on me. And I have to remind myself that when she's saying things, that's my mom, she's correct. She knows more than I know. 
She's been 20 years ahead. She's already been 20 years in the game, 20 years ahead of me in the game. But Jesus was concerned about this and he was adamant about this and letting them know that you are a hypocrite. You can't say one thing and do something else. And I know that, you know, many of us are, some of us are even leaders, church leaders. We hold titles and we have jobs and we have our own children, but our words are not lining up or our actions are not lining up with our words. We know what the word of God says to do, but are we doing what it says to do? God is going to hold us accountable for that. Are we honoring? Because a part of honoring is not just in actions. It's also in the words that we speak. Are we speaking respectfully to our mothers? So we want to make sure that we are not labeled and seen as hypocrites. The word of God tells us, he that knows to do what's right and don't do it, it is sin. And I know we look at the big things, the big labels that are sin, but this is talking about even something as important as honoring our mothers, not just in deed, but in words. You may be thinking, well, I do this for my mom and I do that for my mom. And I know people that do a lot for their mothers, but I've also seen and I've heard people that talk to their mothers in so such a disrespectful way. I remember, uh, and it wasn't not too long ago, when my mother and I had some words. I actually had more words than she did. And I walked away from her. And when I went to my other side of the ring, the Holy Spirit said to me, I didn't like what you said to your mom. Now, sometimes the things that you say to her are correct, but I don't like the tone that you used. So that thing really got to me and convicted me as it should have. And I had to go back into the room and apologize to my mom. Yes, 20 years my senior, but that's still my mom. And I know what the word of God says, and I must obey what the word of God says. Not just honoring my mom. I don't care how many train rides I took up to Maryland and how many weeks I spent with her and how many trips I went to the rehabilitation center and how many hospital visits I made. I none of that mattered as much as my tone and my attitude and the way that I spoke to my mom. So we have to really, really be monitoring that. And I, and I challenge you to really be looking at your words. How do I speak to my mother? Yes, it's male and female. And especially for those of us that are older. Now, of course, you know, when I, when I think about teenagers and young people, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. But once I am old, we're supposed to put away childish things <laughs> and we should know better as we're older. And especially for those of us that have our own children. Okay. Let's look at our last scripture verse, which is Proverbs chapter 30, Proverbs chapter 30. And we're going to look at verse 17, Proverbs chapter 30, verse 17. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 17, it says, um, if you make fun of your mother or if you make fun of your father and refuse to obey your mother, the birds of the valley will peck out your eyes and the vultures will eat them. Well, I, I'm here to tell you that I would have had my eyes pecked out many, many times. The Lord would have had to put them back in my eye, in my head, only for them to be pecked out again. 
in my refusal to obey and my refusal to respect and honor my mom in the way that I should have. And then it says, and the birds of the valley will peck out your eyes and the vultures will eat them. Well, God, again, thank God for the grace that we live in, the period of grace that we live in where Jesus has mercy on our stupidity. So um, these are scripture verses that I want you to take to heart and look at and read. Now, how do we honor our mothers? So let's let's look at that a little bit in the way that we are to honor. So there are several things. Thanking her, serving her are the first two that we're going to take a look at as we talk about thanking mom and uh, being thankful. Now, mothering is often a nearly thankless job. And, you know, you all know the tasks that go on and especially right now with uh, us staying at home, many of you are working at home. So you're not only just working from home, but you're also working at home. You're taking care of the home, cooking, cleaning, and then you also are wearing the hat of a teacher as well as you are homeschooling, forced homeschooling your children. So there are a lot of things that you're doing and oftentimes nobody is saying, thank you, mom, I appreciate you cooking the meal. I appreciate you preparing lunch. I appreciate you helping me with the homework. But mothers are going to do these things day in and day out, regardless of whether they receive a thank you, regardless of whether someone is paying attention. It's nice if they do. It's nice to be able to say, mom, I appreciate you. And thanking her, not just on Sunday, because we said every day is Mother's Day, but always thinking of a way to thank mom. It's just as important to be thankful on Tuesday, the Monday and Tuesday after Mother's Day, because you know, everybody is, you can't even get a, a card. If you depends on how late you go to Hallmark or wherever you buy your, your greeting cards from, you can't even find a Mother's Day card hardly. And Lord have mercy, go try to buy uh, a bouquet of flowers, go online and try to order some roses, exorbitant prices for them, however, but what about the other days of the week? You know, are we buying roses? Are we giving cards to say thank you after Mother's Day is over? So let's not be, let's be intentional about thanking her. Proverbs 16, 24 says, gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. So let's honor our mothers by thanking them and letting them know how much we appreciate them by telling them that we appreciate them, you know, verbalizing that, okay? serving serving her well as i said earlier you probably have plans of you know making breakfast for mom on sunday morning or you know having dinner for her maybe even cleaning the house for her well that's a good mother's day gift but let's just stop and think about it in philippians chapter 2 it says in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as christ jesus it talks about humility and how jesus uh humbled himself to be a servant we are to serve serve our mothers i remember someone saying to me you know that's really a uh, a good thing that you're doing for your mom you know that's your mom and you love her and you know that's what you're supposed to do and i said well yes yeah, she's my mom but I'm supposed to serve her. I see it as a service. I see it as a way of letting her know that I appreciate her, but I'm here to serve her. Lord knows the 
years that she served me. I remember we were out uh, one time and she had an accident when we were in the bathroom and she was apologizing to me because I had to clean her and it up. I said, mom, you do not have to apologize to me or feel ashamed or embarrassed. God knows you have cleaned up my messes, both physically, bodily messes, so many times for so many years, as well as all other messes that I made even as an adult. But you don't have to you don't have to feel ashamed and you don't have to apologize or even thank me for that. I'm here to serve you. This is what I'm supposed to do because you're my mother and I take joy in that. And that's the attitude that we need to have, an attitude of servanthood, servanthood as we are coming to serve our mothers, as we come to serve them. So thanking them and serving them thanking them and serving them. So we're talking about honoring our mom. So we talked about ways of honoring her by thanking her, serving her. And the third thing I want to talk about is obeying her. Now, I've already talked about that. And I, as I said, then I, I was getting ahead of myself, but it was all good. It's all good. But I especially wanted us to look at the honoring through obedience as our parents got older. And so, you know, we are, are supposed to be our parents have, a, have their best interests at heart. And now the thing about the obedience part, and this is for you young people out there who are listening to this podcast, you may say, well, my mom doesn't know the Lord or my mom has told me things to do that I know is wrong to do. And now parents, especially mothers, we're talking about mothers, they are called to have their children's best interests in mind. And God has given them the authority, of course, but God also understands that when our parents' wishes and desires and things that they're telling you to do conflict with his word, then that becomes the exception to the rule. You, young person, must always obey God first. This, you must always obey God first. That's first and foremost, okay? When the disciples were threatened with preaching the word of God by the authorities, the local authorities, and they were threatened with thr being thrown into jail and beaten for using the name of Jesus. They said, well, whether you think it's wrong for us to preach the gospel, you judge, but we cannot not, we can not not preach the word of God. So we'll just trust God with the, the consequences of obeying him. So honoring our mothers through thanking her, serving her, obeying her, and then lastly, advancing her legacy. How do we advance our mother's legacy? Well, we said also that no mother's perfect. You're not perfect, mom, but you already know that. Your mother's not perfect, but I know you know that as well. But let's consider the good things that our mothers have instilled in us. This again goes back to those of you who may not have a good relationship with your mom. And you may be thinking, well, my mother was no good. My mother was, and you can fill in the blank, or my mother wasn't, and you can fill in the blank. This has nothing to do with that. It has all to do with you and not them. God has given you the command to obey and honor. This is in spite and despite what they have done or didn't do. And now, even though your mother may not have 
been a believer and left the legacy of their faith because as a believer that is one of the main things that we get to leave behind not just some money in their bank or leave them the house when we pass on but we're to leave our children the legacy of our faith but if your mom didn't know the lord and you weren't left her faith there was something that she did leave you or there was something that she taught you how to do she she may have taught you how to be thrifty how to save money she may have taught you how to shop she may have taught you the recipe that that banging recipe that you have for chocolate cake your mom taught you that she taught you how to clean the house she taught you how to work a job she taught you how to be consistent my mom is a powerhouse as i said she was a leader is a leader uh she wore many hats she was an independent person you know but blessedly along with her faith my mom taught me how to be independent she taught me how to work a job how to be uh, good work work ethics she taught me how to be an overcomer she taught me and gave me strength to you know what no matter what happens don't give up keep pushing I've seen her consistency I've seen her strength even now my mother mother can be in pain but she'll say I'm okay strong woman and I'm grateful to that. She she was a single mom. My father was an alcoholic. So pretty much my mother did raise us on her own. When I was in a, my teens, early teens, I believe they got divorced. So she was a single mom and she worked two jobs to take care of us. Now, my mother wasn't a good cook, so I can't say she taught me how to cook, but she sure taught me how to clean house. I love cleaning the house love washing the clothes, love ironing at that time, don't anymore. But my mother taught me how to be a great homemaker. So there's something that your mom has left you as a legacy. And I'm grateful to that because, you know, my husband appreciates coming home to a clean house. He appreciates the fact that, you know, the clothes are not piling up in the laundry room, that he has clean clothes that he can put on. They may not, may not be ironed. That's why there's a permanent press cycle on the washer. But these are things that my mother left me. So I know there is a legacy that your mother did leave. So there's something. So I challenge you to look for that good thing, to, to make a list of those things. Forget about what she didn't do. Make a list of the things that she did do, that you perhaps have even passed on to your child. I'm going to tell you all a quick joke and then we're going to we're going to wrap this up. So this husband watches his wife as he's she's preparing dinner and she's preparing a roast. And he noticed that she would cut the ends off the roast. She would cut the left end off and the right end of the roast and she'd put it in the pan. And, and every time she would prepare a roast, he noticed that she would cut the ends off. So finally, one day he said, honey, I noticed that you cut the ends of the roast off. Why do you do that? She said, well, my mom did it. So he said, oh, okay. But why did she do it? He's, she said, I don't know. She, she did it. That's what I saw her do. That's what she taught me to do. So this is what I do. So he said, okay, I know what I'm going to go to her mom. So he went to his mother-in-law and he said, mom, I noticed that I'll say Janet, when Janet prepares a roast, she cuts the ends off. And I asked her, why does she do it? And she said, because you did it. So now I'm asking you, why did you do it? She said, because my mom did it. He said, interesting. So fortunately, grandmother 
His wife's grandmother was still alive, so he paid her a visit, and he said, Grandmother, Janet cuts the ends of the roast off every time she prepares it and puts before she puts it in the pan and puts it in the oven. And I asked her, why does she do that? She said, because her mom did it. Well, when I went and asked mother in love why she did it, she said, because you did it. So now, grandmother, why do you and why did you cut the ends of the roast off before you put it in the pan and in the oven? She said, my pan was too small. <laughs> so that's interesting that that legacy was passed down from grandmother to mother and then mother to daughter. And the daughter, as the husband noted, was doing something that was passed down as a legacy. She didn't know why she was doing it. She only knew that she saw her mom do it. Her mom saw her mom do it. But her but grandmother had a reason for doing it. So whether or not their pan was small, too small or not, had nothing to do with it. It was a legacy that was passed down. So that's what we get to do. We get to honor our mothers by thanking her, by serving her, by obeying her, and by advancing that legacy that she has left for you and left for me. Sharon James, her she has a quote and she says, Successful mothers are not the ones who have never struggled. They are the ones who never give up despite the struggles. Despite the struggles. And we know that mothering is not an easy job. We've often heard mothers say that when this baby came, I did not get a handbook. There was not a set of instructions. But thanks be to God, because children are the heritage of the Lord. And for those of you specifically who know him as Lord, you know God's plan as it relates to children. And I, again, challenge you to go back into the Bible, look at scripture, more scripture verses. We looked at some today, but to look at other scripture verses as it relates to mothering. I know there's one and I didn't read that today, but it comes to mind where it says that Jesus said that as a mother hen uh, is covering her chicks. And, you know, whenever there's a storm, I'm told that uh, the mother hen knows when there's a storm and she begins to start calling out in that chick language, that chicken language, that mother chicken language to the baby chicks. And they come running to her and she spreads out her wings and they come underneath of the covering of her wings. And she protects them from the storm. And Jesus, as he's looking, I believe it was when he was looking at Jerusalem and crying and weeping over Jerusalem because they rejected him. He said, as a mother hen covers her chicks, I've tried to cover you, but that is what we are called to do. And so there may be some of you who are not mothers. You don't have physical children. Like I don't have any physical biological children, but they are, there are men and women now they're men and women they're men and women i remember some of them were young teenagers that call me mom and they're young people that call me grandmother because they are the children of those that call me mother so the scripture verse talks about many are the children of an unmarried woman or a barren woman i should say and years ago the holy spirit reminded me that you are not barren you are a fruitful vine you are fruitful spiritually. So you may have children that you did not birth, 
biologically, but you have birthed them in the spirit. Or they call you mother, or they look at you as mother. You're mothering them. You may have adopted them. And also, I don't want to leave out grandmothers because, again, and that's that's a, a, a vital statistic too. I encourage you to look that up. A lot of grandmothers are now raising children. It's the times that we live in. So grandmothers, my hats go off to you as well for the work that you're doing and how you step into the role of mother. Not only did you raise the mother of that child, that boy or that girl, but now you are taking on the responsibility of raising that grandchild as well. So God bless you as well as you uh, pursue the journey of mothering. God honors you. So as we look at Sunday and as we're honoring our mothers on Sunday, let's not forget that every day is Mother's Day. Let's take every opportunity that we have to be thankful for them, to serve them, to obey them, and to carry on the legacy that they've left us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this, uh, this, this podcast. I thank you for drawing our attention to one of the most important roles that a woman can ever have, and that is of being a mother. And that's whether it's a physical one, biologically, or a spiritual mother, or just someone who has decided to step in to the role of mothering a young person. Lord, I pray for those who um, may not have their mothers now. Their mothers may have passed and gone on, and some of them are still hurting. And, and this Mother's Day is going to be a painful time because it's the two, one of the two days that uh, it's very painful, and that's usually the, the, the birthday of that mother that is passed on and Mother's Day in particular. So Lord, I pray for your comfort and I pray for your peace for those who don't have their mothers this day to honor when Mother's Day comes. But Lord, give them peace. Let them hold close and cherish the, the memories of that mother. Let it not be a sad day, but let it be a joyful day in realizing that they had a mother. Lord, I pray for those who, as I said earlier, who is struggling in their relationships with their mom. They are harboring some unforgiving moments and unforgiving episodes and times. Lord, I pray that they will find it in their heart to forgive. You forgave us, Lord. Let us and give them the strength to forgive their mothers. And as they begin the journey of forgiveness, heal them from that hurt, heal them from the pain so that they can move to a place of restoration and reconciliation. Lord, thank you for those of us who still have our mothers. Let us be so aware and so intentional about our attitudes and our behaviors, our thoughts of them, how we handle them. Let us care for them in a way that's pleasing to you. Lord, we want to hear you say, job well done, daughter for caring for your mom, taking care of your mom. Every day is Mother's Day. Let us see that. Let us honor them every day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to A Victorious Life is Yours. Each week, I will cheer you on to cross your finish lines of victory. You can find me on social media and on my website, reneemariejones.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and comment. Until the next time, victorious ones. <laughs>